welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 53. How you been, Rich? Good, good. Had a nice three-day weekend to do three days more of work, but it, you know, hey, that's how things go sometimes. <laughs> You're just a, just a hardcore developer and can't can't get enough of it, right? That's right. That's right. It just keeps me up at night in a good and bad way. So, <laughs> so for those not in America, uh, we had our July 4th celebrations this weekend. I kind of went all out with my celebrations and went to the NASCAR race in, in Daytona in Florida uh, with Andrew Connell, actually, uh, the SharePoint MVP and good friend of mine. Wasn't a very interesting experience. Um, the race was delayed due to one of the most scary storms I've ever witnessed. Uh, they have a huge humidity problem down there. Um, if anyone's friends with me on Facebook, you would have seen the posts over the weekend of the black skies when I went to the beach with his family. And then the next day, the storm kind of rolled in about an hour or two before the race. And it actually got delayed till about 11.45 p.m. start rather than a, I think it was meant to be like a 9 p.m. start. So at five o'clock in the afternoon, rather than going to the, you know, we'd kind of exhausted the fan village that was at the Daytona Speedway. And um, noticed there was a Hooters across the road. And again, for people who are not in America, Hooters is a uh, a Wings American restaurant where the girls are dressed very differently to any other restaurant you'll be in. And um, we stayed there until the race started at 11.45. So we were well and truly lubricated on the beer front before seeing the race. And the race didn't finish till 3.30 in the morning. So I, And I did a red eye back to Redmond last night. So I'm absolutely wiped this morning on Tuesday. Wow! So you had uh, you had quite the time. Was it was your first NASCAR and first Hooters experience? Uh, second Hooters experience. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, and, and just to like let our our listeners know, it's it's um, they wear clothing here. It's not that type of establishment. No, I mean in Australia we have things called skimpies where they don't wear shirts at the bars and they serve you topless. I mean it's not that full on. But they are, you know, their shirts are less to be desired. Like if I was a father, I wouldn't be that proud of them working in there. <laughs> um, it's a pretty derogatory restaurant. But the the thing the thing that surprised me was the food was really good. Uh, the chicken wings were amazing. But um, yeah, you end up kind of talking to them and feeling sorry for them. And then you find out half of them are just working their way through college. And this is their way of earning some money. Modern society, unfortunately. Cool, and and you got to. Uh, Connell has a fancy new car. You got to drive down the the coast in that. Yeah, he has the Tesla Model S eighty five D. I mean, I have an Audi S five, which you know I, I love spinning, scooting that around in Redmond, but the power in that Tesla is just ridiculous. And he let me drive it yesterday from his house to the airport, which is about an hour and a bit drive. Boy, oh boy, that thing can just move as soon as you put your foot down on that. I was going to call it the gas pedal, but it really isn't. It's called the accelerator pedal, I guess, because there's zero gas in that thing. Um, we had to stop off at a supercharger on the way back from Daytona and top up the um, battery for 20 minutes. But um, an amazing car, although I must admit, driving my car this morning to work, I do love the engine noise and the, the gear changes and you know using the paddles. But um, yeah, it's a pretty amazing car to get to drive, that's for sure. And if you haven't seen the NASCAR before, there was an amazing wreck, the final lap of the race, where the guy actually hits the barriers, and it was right in front of us, but fortunately, we were about 40 levels up in the stands, so we um, 
weren't hit by any of the debris from the car hitting the wall at about 200 mile an hour. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. So I've now done NASCAR. I'm a, obviously a big IndyCar fan. And um, we've done a few Formula Ones now in Austin too. So I'm, I'm not sure what my next racing adventure will be. Maybe the Rolex 24 or I'll go back to Le Mans because I've done Le Mans in about 15 years. Cool. Well, I'm headed to Florida next week. So next week starts three weeks of big Microsoft conferences. So we start off next week with the Worldwide Partner Conference. And I'm sure we have uh, some listeners that might be there. So but, uh, I don't think, Jeremy, you're going to be there. But I know CJ will be there. I'll be there. Uh, so if you're if you're listening and you're going to WPC in Orlando, definitely come by the office booth and get some swag and say hi. And then we got a couple of weeks of internal Microsoft conferences. We have another kind of big, it's a, an internal like a sales conference that's in Orlando, um, and then our our big internal technical conference that's uh, in in Redmond called TechReady. And um, I've already sent the invite to all 6,000 attendees that there will be a big party at, at Jeremy's house for that. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my house is ready now. I've got all the deck furniture and we've had some sample parties of 40 to 50 people. So sure, I'm, I'm sure my neighbors won't mind if you invite 6,000 people around. Nice, nice. We'll get the, the shuttle service to just uh, make sure they swing around there. Yeah, the, the Connect will suddenly have a new marker on the map, which is Jeremy's place. <laughs> now I'm a little bit scared. But uh, no, it should be good catching up with all the internal field guys and, and chatting to them about you know what they're doing and sharing kind of what they're seeing from their customers in the different locations. I, re I really enjoyed the tech ready since joining Microsoft last year. It's uh, it's good to get you know we, we spend all our time outbound talking to developers externally and, and not really our own field. Well, that's not that's probably too much of a stretch, but it's nice to get them all on in one venue and talking totally privately about things just with Microsoft people and. You know, they're very open and we learn a lot and the engineers love it too. So it's great to get all that feedback from kind of our, our guys that represent us out there in the different regions. Yep. So this week has been a bit quiet. I think a lot of the Americans were partying all weekend like we were. CJ is a Reddit fanatic. I have never, ever got into Reddit. I just find it's just a place for trolls to live. But what he started doing, he's got this new office development magazine, newsletter, I don't know what they call them on Reddit. I'm, I'm with you. I cannot. Reddit is way too hard to read just with all the nested upon nested upon nested replies and then trying to find back. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, hard for me to, to follow. You know, I guess, you know, Reddit's really popular for doing like the ask me anything type stuff. You know, we do a lot of that stuff on on Yammer already with kind of things like Yam Jams. But, you know, maybe I think. CJ's trying to do it from a link sharing perspective, but it doesn't seem to be getting too much engagement. But I'm, I'm sure a troll conversation will come up eventually. But uh, it's another place where we're sharing our links, much like we do in our podcast weekly posts and in the monthly digest and on our Twitter handles. And uh, actually, the Flipboard magazine is going really well, that one I created. So if you're on, on Flipboard and you're, you're not following my magazine, I'd recommend it. It's... Um, I was actually sitting at the airport yesterday with my Surface 3, not my Surface Pro 3, my Surface 3, and had the Flipboard app on there. And um, I noticed that now, let's have a look, let's just see how many there are. We've got, well, 110 followers now, and there's been a fair few articles, and people have reflipped it and whatnot. So, um, yeah, if you're not following me on that, it's uh, flipboard.com slash at jthake slash office dash 365 dash development dash oh my god these euros are horrible just click on it in my show notes it's tni8588jy it's crazy anyway so um yeah so reddit flipboard 
more ways you consume all the cool content that we discover through all the thousands of RSS feeds that I consume in the mornings while I'm sitting my drinking my chalk milk. Um, the other cool one, Visual Studio 2015 RTM, July 20th. Um, there will be a event on July 20th at 3.30 p.m. UTC time, so 8.30 a.m. in uh, Redmond. Uh, I'd highly recommend checking it out. It kind of covers all sorts of different things, um, game development and mobile development, web development, team foundation server stuff, Visual Studio Online. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Connect event. There's a few videos we've recorded in Office that we'll talk a bit more about how that benefits Office as well. But um, yeah, if you haven't watched one of these Connect events before, it's always cool to see where the Visual Studio team are going. This one makes me really happy because this is the time of year. I think I, we've talked about it on a previous show is, you know, there's a lot of what we call, we call it dog fooding at Microsoft where you're trying out like our beta software or even alpha software in some cases. And Visual Studio isn't a, I would say, like doing the incremental updates um, between beta builds. It's not a, a case of where you just get to install it on top of what you already have. You actually have to completely uninstall something and reinstall the new one. And so um, I've kind of, I did that enough to where I just got sick of it and I've been holding off for, for the, the RTM. So excited to see that coming soon. And then the other one that's kind of obviously on the row path there is Windows 10. So in one of the builds last week, I think there's like three builds pushed out from Windows 10 last week publicly on the fast chain around Cortana integration with Office 365. So very similar to what you get on your Windows phone around you've got a meeting and it's in a different location or we, we, we see that you're coming home and there's traffic on your usual route. It's going to be integrated into the Windows 10 start menu. So I'm pretty pumped with that. My internal MSIT build of Windows is not quite up to date. I'm on 10074. So I haven't seen this new stuff. But um, yeah, 10's looking pretty sharp. I'm I'm really impressed with it on my uh, on my Windows machine. I use kind of day to day. I'm actually running all the dog food right now, so it's exciting to see where that's going. That's for sure. It's cool to see the adoption area. This is one of those ones that um I don't I don't know if Peshka ever Steve Peshka actually did internally. He um he actually did some Cortana integration with um with Office 365, he actually did it to where you could actually just do audio searches with Cortana. So you could say, Cortana, you know, find me, you know, my documents that have blank or something like that. And, and so he had done some things early on with some of the integration and with Cortana coming to 10, it's cool to see that being kind of more widely adopted and Cortana being on other platforms. So um, I think all that Windows 10 goodness and their Cortana goodness are going to be really, really exciting for where we can kind of take that with the Office 365 APIs. Yeah, I'm trying to find out what sample that is on our code samples page on dev.office.com. Um, I'll add it to the show notes. It had, it, being Steve Peshko, it had some funky title, but I just can't remember the name of it right now. It escapes me. But um, the good news is we had an update to dev.office.com yesterday. We've improved the page performance. We've got paging now on all the pages. There's search built in um, to the code samples and the training pages. And uh, the patents and practices resources pages had a kind of rehaul with um, the way that we kind of filter our guidance sample solutions and a bunch of other bits and pieces that you'll discover as you start clicking around. The transform page had a bit of a bump too, which is cool. So yeah, I'm it's really happy with where things have gone. Uh, with dev.office.com. So if you haven't checked it out in a while, definitely go back and uh, and take a look. 
And another site that seems to, seems to grow and grow and grow is um, itunity.com. Scott Hillier, you know, one of my favorite kind of riders and trainers, um, just recently saw him in Phoenix at Dev Intersections where he was training on kind of SharePoint Office Dev. And he's written an article here on using the ADL JS libraries with Angular and calling to Azure AD to call into APIs. So if you haven't kind of dabbled in that stuff, that article is a really good kind of getting started with ADL JS and Office 365 APIs. I know it's something you've been tackling with the stuff you've been working on over the weekend, right? Yes, this is, uh, I've been living in this. So, you know, to me, what we're doing, and I, I don't know how many, you know, ADAL is the ADAL JS and Angular components are really separate. So I can I can do you know really any sort of client side flow. And I, in fact, I can do a client side flow without even using any any sort of plugin. I can do it without jQuery. But what we have with with ADAL and and the Angular stuff makes it really really easy. So you know I can just mark a view to say you know this one requires to be authenticated and. Um, I don't have to even mess with tokens. It actually will handle all that for me when you use these. So it's cool um, seeing that pick up momentum and seeing a, a great writer like Scott um, go and, and write some stuff about it. Yeah, that's cool. And then um, Matt McDermott, who's another trainer um, based out of the US, a really nice guy too, has been putting together some app configurations with SharePoint server and some of the challenges that you hit when you're setting up host files and how you can kind of have some checkpoints and if you get failures how you can resolve them and so um yeah it's really useful if you if you're trying to set this stuff up kind of in on an on-premises environment i definitely recommend reading matt's matt's blog post on that so big thanks to matt for kind of sharing his learnings as he's going through and doing these things and then mark rackley who we had on the podcast last week who got announced kind of the day of actually so i couldn't really tell him when we were doing the podcast but he was now a, an mvp um, and we were talking about client-side development. So if you haven't listened to that show, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to that. We've created the Yammer group now. And so the Yammer group uh, essentially has a bunch of stuff in there, um, conversations that we want to encourage around, you know, if you're a client-side developer, what types of things you would like to see from us, tooling-wise and um, kind of guidance-wise, that you want to go ahead and do. So there's a really good blog that kind of summarizes what we discussed in the podcast. Um, and I'm hoping that he takes this and, and runs with it with kind of Mark Anderson. And there's a few other guys that are really excited to kind of get involved in that discussion too. Also, he runs an event called SharePoint Loser. Rich, have you been to that? I can't remember if you were there last year or not. I haven't. I'd love to make it out there. It's a, it's a pretty long drive to Branson and, and not a whole lot of flights go in and out of there, but he does a, a really great conference. I'd love to to go there sometime. Yeah, I mean, CJ went for, he did the keynote last year. And so September 18th and 19th in Brantsus in MO. Is that, where's that? Missouri. Missouri. I was going to say that, but why is it in O? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway, 25 bucks to register. Um, he gets a really good pull of speakers in there and it, he has like um, music events in the evenings. It's just good fun to kind of socialize with the SharePoint crew. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely go and check out Mark Rackley's um, blog at mrackley.net. And then one other one, um, which you've put on here, so I'm going to let you talk to this one because I haven't even had a chance to ha actually read this one yet. Uh, yeah, this is, um, it was something that I saw this morning um, where it's kind of talking about some of the point publishing and that's uh, really, a, I think, in a lot of ways inspired off of one of uh, Chris O'Brien's posts that he did back in May around kind of the modern portals. But this one is specific to um, some of the, the video portals and 
Um, what's great is it kind of shows the flexibility of um, that kind of publishing platform. You know, the the benefit is is we have APIs around around all of these this video capability, and so you can extend this. In fact, I've seen internally some of the cool stuff that um, you know some of our our team, like Rob Howard, have been working on on saying, hey, let's let's take those those video APIs, and I could I could re-deliver that entire kind of corporate YouTube experience in different ways. So. I, I just saw this was kind of a, another cool example of just kind of bringing up the, the flexibility around this and, and being able to, to work with some of the channels programmatically. Yeah, that's, um, and also that being that SharePoint community, sorry, SharePoint-community.net, that's another kind of community that's kind of founded, very similar to how me and Mark Miller used to run nothingbutsharepoint.com and SharePoint Dev Wiki back in the day. So it's good to see these communities grow and the different blogs being pushed out that way too. And then lastly, I have to finish on this app because I've used it a few times already this week to plan some get-togethers for dinners and drinks with my friends. It's called Toss Up, and it's by The Garage, which is a team in Microsoft. Um, you go to microsoft.com slash en dash us slash garage, and there's an app called Toss Up available for Android and iOS. It allows you to basically select, suggest some times when you when you meet and you invite your friends via SMS or email, you can pick a few different restaurants or bars or venues. And then basically your friends go on the same app and they can vote for the restaurants between themselves. Uh, they can vote on the times and you can have a conversation directly in the app around, you know, what you want to do and different things. So I actually thought about this a long time ago as a, an app idea and it's one of those ones you never get around to doing but it you know the amount of times you have like a thread going with you know six people on an sms having the ability to kind of do that in an automated way automated way in an app i think it's pretty cool yep so cool all right well um so this week we had uh bob jane on the show um talking about uh, microservices with office development it's a really cool show it's something he presented at at the um sb tech on dev days which we recorded a few weeks ago. So um, I hope you enjoy the show. Next week, we have a panel, which was like Sharps and Robert Bogue and Andrew Connell and Mark Anderson up there kind of chatting about their thoughts on SharePoint development and kind of the future progression of kind of where you should be as a developer. So there's been a bunch of good shows recently and we're gonna I've got a few more lined up in the can as well. So I hope you enjoy the show. Again, please engage with us on the Yammer Network. Please rate us on iTunes and you know, retweet our tweets so that the word gets out there about the show. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing from you guys. Okay, so I'm sitting here in the lobby of the Hyatt in uh, just outside of San Francisco Airport with uh, Bob here. So uh, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thanks. We, um, we've, we've caught up a few times in passing at different conferences, but I never think we've had a solid amount of discussion. And it's always cool with the community where, you know, I've followed your blog for a long time and um, follow you socially, but it's nice to actually meet someone in person in the real world and Absolutely. have a good chat. Hey, it's mutual. I've been following you for years and it's good to, I was really psyched when you joined Microsoft and, and uh, the team that you're on is, is a real heavy hitter team and uh, it's great to have this opportunity too. Yeah, so. thank you. No, it's great to get you on the show. And um, so the topic that you're, well, one of the sessions you have here 
is on uh, kind of microservices and, and SharePoint. But before we get into that, um, how will people know you? What, what, what have, how long have you been in this space? Where do you currently work? And Yeah, well, I was with Microsoft for 16 years. I started working on SharePoint when it was called Site Server. So it's, it's been a long, fun ride. So I've been speaking at various conferences. I uh, blog and I put in a plug, bobonegerman.com. And I guess I didn't give you a chance to say no. If I <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I got kicked off of MSDN blogs. They decided no partners. Uh, is that right? Uh, I didn't know that. But anyway, so a few years ago, uh, but I still have some material up there as well. Yeah, but it's all good. I, I jumped into a, a gold certified partner, NSI partner called Blue Metal. Yeah. Um, a few years ago and have been having a lot of fun. Um, really applying a lot of the stuff I've learned at Microsoft in real-world situations with uh, clients and uh, just kind of continuing to uh, work on the platform as it evolves. Yeah, and so are you, most of your customers local to you or are you, do you travel a fair bit? Uh, it's mostly local. We yeah. have offices in Boston, New York, and Chicago. And sort of our business model is to not constantly travel because it burns out the consultants and it yeah. runs up a big bill for the clients as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm finding talking to a lot of the Americans uh, that work in the consultant businesses in the States is that often you know, they're jumping around the different states in America Monday to Friday and they get they come home on the weekends whereas you know I, that wasn't the experience I had in Australia but most of my work was in Perth and right. um, we had like boots on the ground in the other major cities in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane to kind of get the work done. Yep. Whereas here I guess there are so many major cities that people tend to have a hub and then they get to travel there all over are, the place. And it, being in the Northeast, so I'm out of Boston, yeah. and, uh, things are a little closer together. That, that makes it a little bit easier yeah, too. Yeah. I think if you're in the Midwest or something, you're, you're probably on an airplane just to get to the next city over <laughs> yeah, because it's that's so right. spread out. And, um, and so how did you get into this topic area? What, what made you inspired to get into this? Was this a, a project that you did for a customer or is this just a personal thing that you wanted to try and trade out on? I think it was two things. One was I saw, I was working with a couple of different customers who had challenges trying to use SharePoint as a platform in the way that we've talked about it for a long time. Yeah. And uh, so maybe we'll dig into that topic a little bit. And then the other thing is that one of my uh, colleagues is a guy named Bob Familiar is, uh, has been evangelizing microservices in Azure. Yeah. And so I've been working with him and actually some of the demos, portions of the demos that I show here are actually his work. So we've been sort of collaborating on this. Oh, cool. Um, I believe microservices are, you know, a really key future direction for very high scale, agile, you know, solutions. Yeah. But the, the fact is that we also live in the world that we live in right now. Yeah. SharePoint and Office 365 bring such a powerful suite of services that to you know you're, we're not going to throw that away just because it's not doesn't follow the microservices architecture yeah what we're going to do is 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 bring kind of use everything that's available to us in concert and that's what i really wanted to do in this talk yeah and so when, when you say about you know SharePoint as a platform and people struggling with it what what are some of the pains that you you see people going through as they're trying to use sharepoint as a their platform to build their business solutions? Well, I think in the cases that I was talking about, uh, or that, I'm, that particularly brought me to this, they were really line of business applications, right? And for instance, one was uh, for a professional services company who had people all over the world advising their clients on government regulations in financial area. And they really needed this 
major knowledge management system to notify them when they were obliged to do things with their local governments. Yeah. If you're a big multinational. Another example was a pharmaceutical company and they wanted to put together a knowledge management portal that was very much customized around uh, disease areas and therapeutic areas and all just kind of the way they organize their compounds and yeah. take things through clinical trials. And the reality is in both cases, there is never going to be an out-of-the-box solution for that. Right? right, right. And they're just so specialized. So they saw the value of SharePoint services. They, they yeah. saw the advantage of, let's not rebuild document management. Let's yeah. not reinvent search. And on the other hand, to make it all work inside of the SharePoint user interface, some of their requirements were responsive design. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of looked around at responsive design books, and there's some brilliant people who have made SharePoint responsive, but do you, you know, it's the only server platform I saw right. that has books on responsive design. Yeah, yeah. It's usually the server platform lets you put whatever you want on the page. Right. SharePoint, the trade-off of having so much out of the box is that you have to kind of fight sometimes with the stuff that is already on the page. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in both cases, the answer was, hey, build, it, it ends up being an Office 365 app, right? Yeah. Build a, a new UI and use all those rich services. You don't lose anything. Right. In fact, SharePoint can still be there in the background as a way to go in and manage the information kind of internally, but let the end users have a nice, uh, more modern user interface and right, user right. experience. So um, that plus the fact that both of those platforms had to scale a lot. Yeah. And so you know, what we're seeing is that more and more uh, line of business applications tend to be like SharePoint and Exchange, et cetera. Uh, just as it's the history of our industry, right? They tend to be these large monolithic applications. Yeah. Whereas meanwhile, Netflix and Amazon and eBay and right. really high scale sites like that are starting to use microservices and it gives them a whole lot more agility, a whole lot more scalability. And so really that's the, the, the key to these solutions then is to build the line of business part in a microservices fashion utilize all that's there in SharePoint and SharePoint Online and the other Microsoft properties, and then pull it together into a common UI. And when you say responsive, is there a motivator there, maybe with those customers, but in general, from a, a mobile perspective as well, it's not just kind of different resolution computers that you're, you're running on, but also to be running on mobile devices like the iPhone and Android, and like, did that driver yep. come up as well? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and it's, there's too many, I, I think that there's just too many platforms and too many form factors yeah. to really uh, kind of anticipate what's going to be. During the lifetime of that application, yeah. who knows what the standard will be by, right, the, time, right. by the time it ends. Yeah, what, what Apple bring out next, uh, you know, in terms of the, the rumored Pro iPad or whatever is bringing a, another form factor yeah, in. or other play. players may come along and, right. and completely change the game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so, you know, with that, so essentially what you're saying is, is that you leverage SharePoint's you mentioned search, you mentioned document management. What other areas do you see of value in like the building box of SharePoint that could be used in this type of scenario? I think user profiles is a big one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I think that the office web apps are really key and that, yep. was, that was something in both of those scenarios that they wanted to leverage is the fact that it's not just SharePoint storage, but it's, it has the office web apps there as well. Right, and when you mean so by office web apps, because a lot of people uh, get confused. Word online, right. Excel, yeah. yeah. Right. So the ability to kind of view a document without needing the rich client installed on the device. Exactly. Um, or even edit the document in or some cases. right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Exactly, so you know, there's a lot there. But the thing, the challenge, part of the challenge is, SharePoint-like, so much software of its of its era, is really 
a big monolithic thing. So if Microsoft wants to release a new version of, say, Search, yeah. they have to release the whole thing. And what's happened is that the, so the way that we develop solutions and customizations ends up getting kind of gummed up in the same big monolith. Right, right. So an example that might be interesting to talk about is workflow. Yeah. So uh, workflow, originally the old 2010 style workflow, is embedded into SharePoint. Um, workflow Manager is a separate product. Right. So I could update Workflow Manager without updating SharePoint. Yeah. And I could update SharePoint without updating uh, Workflow. So that's the kind of flexibility that you're getting in, that's a little bit more of a microservices oriented right. architecture, sure. right? And, and you're right, I mean, we've changed a little bit with Office 365 and SharePoint Online where the teams can push out updates to particular capabilities like search without necessarily being a whole uh, install. And I think with SharePoint Server 2016, you'll be able to see that a little bit better as well in terms of how we're going to do the updates in that product too. But mm -hmm. you know, like the last few ver major versions of SharePoint Server have been like three-year gaps between them getting improvements. Oh, yeah. The CUs of more patches and security fixes. Sometimes the service packs had some goodness in there, but the reality was new capabilities were coming around in each major version. And I guess. You know, changing now to almost every quarter there's something new inside of the service is um, going to definitely change how we leverage this as a building block for sure. That's great. That's great. So, so that's part of the same evolution. Right. So yeah. we've talked about the building blocks and kind of leveraging it as a service and like kind of you building your own user interface that's responsive and you've got full control over it. Um, you touched a little bit on the Office 365 apps nature and essentially what you're saying there is, you know, host that thing in your own website, wherever it needs to be authenticate in with Azure Active Directory, which yep. is what runs Office 365 auth, and then it's going to appear in the app launcher and the My Apps page uh, if you want it to. If you want it to, yeah. or you can just go to it directly or yeah. what have you. Right. right. So, I mean, provider-hosted apps can do some of that, but yeah. you've got a different launching mechanism. Yeah. And on-prem, customers don't have to be left out of this either. Right. Um, there's really nothing to say that you can't just build a web application. Yeah, yeah. That, that calls, but I think the positioning is, like if you kind of go back to the way that we used to sort of think about a lot of this, it was sort of like, well, we had things like BCS yeah. that would bring the business data into SharePoint. And so the, the assumption was that SharePoint as a platform, that you would use the SharePoint UI. Right. You would use the SharePoint web server. You would be dealing with uh, alternate access mappings and SharePoint security and SharePoint's STS right. and uh, SharePoint's rendering model. And if you, if you can make use of all that, great, use it. I think that's still a very valid model. Yeah. And if people, if you have end users who want to go in and customize the sites, maybe you have team sites or collaboration scenarios, you'd go crazy trying to reproduce all that functionality in right. a custom site. Yeah. So I don't want to say that SharePoint as a platform is, isn't still a key pattern. It's really important. Yeah, yeah. But this is sort of broadening it and saying, no, if, if you're really looking at a line of business application, instead of bringing the line of business app stuff into SharePoint and try to make that the UI for your whole line of business application, right. bring the SharePoint data into your line of business application, yeah. and then you can have complete control over how it works. Yeah. It's a whole lot more, it's a whole lot easier, and you can also change the way security works or, or what have you to integrate in with, with uh, your scenario. And so how do you bring that together uh, with the microservices and, and maybe a quick definition of what it is and um, how, how people 
would understand that that aren't familiar with this term of microservices? Yeah, so microservices, if you think about, uh, so Martin Fowler's sort of the thought leader on this, and yeah. if you go look on his blog, you can actually see a very succinct write-up of it. Basically, the idea, if you think about, suppose you had a CRM application, okay, and you everybody knows about service-oriented architecture, right? So if you had a CRM application and you wanted to make it service-oriented, what would you do? Well, you'd, you'd expose a bunch of web services, right? Yeah. Just like SharePoint and, and Office 365 have done. You'd expose those web services and people could call in and that's great. Microservices sort of takes it to the next level. And so instead of having a CRM application that exposes some web services, you might have a customer microservice and you might have an employee microservice and an opportunity microservice and an order microservice and break it down into smaller and smaller components. Right. Um, this is largely made possible by the velocity of the cloud, the scalability of the cloud. Mm -hmm. So it would have been very difficult to do this in kind of a traditional data center. Yeah. But in an environment like Azure, it's actually quite doable. And so what's interesting is that these, these, this kind of an architecture that that grew out of you know these these huge scale websites, public facing websites, yeah. is now the. The Azure is bringing that within reach of regular businesses. So when you think of it, we mentioned like customers and orders and uh, things, yeah. those would be separate endpoints, but at the, the back end from a data perspective, it's all still in the same data storage. No, that's the thing. No. Microservices would say no. Really? So okay. they would say every one of those would have its own data storage, which brings up sort of the challenge of keeping them all in sync. Right. And there's some, you know, that's that's kind of the downside of it, Yeah. is trying to keep them all in sync, and there's various techniques and algorithms for doing it. But the idea is you should be able to release them independently. Part of the concept is that you would have a development team could take the microservice all the way through development into deployment and support it. So right. it even reflects the way that an organization is set up. So they can version um, independently of each other. They can version them all independently. There's yeah. no, the, it's all only loose coupling through message passing and simple REST services yeah. back and forth. And as a result, there's, there's a lot of nice side effects that come out of it. One of which is that the team that wrote it is also deploying it and is also supporting it, which is, if you have this large monolith app, right. it's just a, it's impossible for a team to, to be that big, right? Yeah. But now, if you're the guy who wrote it and you're now looking at it in, in production and monitoring its performance and looking at problems that are coming in, you're going to have a whole lot better of a feedback with that whole lean engineering concept. Yeah. Uh, you're going to actually be able to see that. Also, you can use different completely different technology stacks if you want to. Yeah, yeah. So one service one service could be written in a completely different language or yep. a whole different platform. How, how would you, the, the immediate thing I find with it though is how would you do referential type relationships between those different, I guess, entities or whatever you want to call them? Like if I've got a, an orders service and I have a, a customer service, it, you, when you're doing reporting, you've got to, it's going to be quite chatty between each of the microservices to be able to build a UI that lists the orders and maybe the, the items within each within each order. Like, what's the? Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, so things have to be kind of item potent. You have to be able to repeat the same update and not have it and have the, the microservice that's receiving it realize that these are duplicates and handle it without errors. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be able to, there's there's protocols that are fairly elaborate for for keeping things in sync over time. So instead of trying to kind of lock everything down in a transaction and update it, yeah. you're more kind of eventually going to get to consistency right, okay. through, these, through these protocols. And yeah, it's chattier and yeah, that kind of bugged me, but the reality is that with 
some of the technology in Azure and, and in these cloud services, you can actually get away with being chattier. So you're not going to put these things on opposite ends of the globe. Right, right, right. They're going to be in these super fast uh, data centers where you can get the message sent, the message passing. And I guess it means that you can scale the endpoint depending on the demand. So if the exactly. end of the quarter, the customer endpoints uh, are being hit more because the sales guys are smashing it, um, it means it exactly. you can kind of grow that Azure service just for that independent endpoint. Right, right, exactly. So historically with SharePoint, for instance, you would you could add a new web front end, and I know that there's going to be more interesting role model, roles in 2016. Yeah. But you know, you could you kind of have to scale the whole product. Right. Um, here, you could just scale the orders portion. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you're also scaling in a different dimension, right? If you look at scalability, sort of traditionally, uh, forgetting that the whole idea of scaling up, right. which which is just throw faster hardware at. Yeah. The traditional way we scale out is through load balancing, and that's one dimension of it, but you do get a lot of diminishing returns eventually from, from load balancing, especially with a common data backend. Yeah, yeah. So then you can add partitioning to that, and partition, maybe you put all the orders between you know one and a million in this database, and then between a million and one and two million in that database, yeah. and you can get some scale there. Uh, what this does is it introduces a, a third de degree of scalability, which is functional. And, and really says, well, the things that we do to, to add an order, or the things that the, the checks that we do, the business rules for an order are, are actually different from the ones we do for adding a new customer or a new relationship. So we could actually put those in completely separate processes on separate engines. Oh, right, okay, that makes sense. And then you hit it right on the head, right? Because now it's the end of the month, everybody's busy taking orders, but they're not really adding new customers that much. So you could, and with, with Azure, for instance, you can just go in if it's, uh, we've been using platforms of service for these. You yeah. can just go in and add cores. Oh, okay, let's double it. Click, done, right? And so with this approach, you mentioned Azure a few times. So are you leveraging, say for instance, the API management functionality that uh, the Azure team have been working on as well Absolutely. as part of this? Absolutely, that's a, that's a real key part. Yeah. So, and that was another thing I was thinking about for chattiness, right? Because it's actually kind of a proxy layer. All your all your REST calls are going through that thing, so that you can apply policy, so you can trans do transformation of the data, so you can do metrics. Um, but in Azure, the, the timings are so fast that it's it's a negligible overhead, yeah. and the benefits are huge. So, what what are some of the features of API management that you you're leveraging as part of this microservices um, approach? Well, I think uh, some of the policies of being able to, for instance, if you have a service that returns XML, you can transform it into JSON. Wow. If you want to do telemetry, you can get reports on who's calling the APIs and, and what you know frequency and how are they being used, yeah. uh, where are they coming from. So there's there's a lot of, of benefit to that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's dead easy to add in. Right. So, so it's built into the tooling in Visual Studio or it, yeah, it's built into Azure. It's very easy to go in and just provision it uh, that way. So. And so if I looked at Azure and I was in my management console, would I see each microservices as an individual object in inside there as a hosted API or what what's yeah, you the would. look like? And then, yeah, you would. And and you'd see them actually as services that that you know you could a, a, if you were a developer you'd actually see them as products yeah so the customer might be a product the orders right. might be a product and then api management you would see them also broken down that way okay um, and then you could subscribe to it as a developer you could oh you could charge back for it right and then do you treat sharepoint 
services that you're using as microservices? Like, do you wrap those in a microservice, or do you tend to call those directly? I haven't been. I've been calling yeah. them directly okay. because it's just it's a lot simpler. And the whole um, I, I know you're all very big into uh, the Active Directory right. uh, library, Adl, yeah. Adl.js, and all that. They, they the it's just very easy to go directly after SharePoint. Right, rather than kind of wrapping rather it. Rather than trying to wrap it. So I tend, what I've been doing is wrapping it in Angular service. Okay. So, you know, that, that does still con, kind of confine that logic to one, to one spot, yeah. but it allows me to go directly from the browser. So if you're doing business logic that spans maybe two or three endpoints, where would you be running that business logic? Maybe I'm pulling orders from one service and customer information from oh, another sure. service. Well, there might be a layer in between. So typically yeah. it's a layered it's a layered architecture. So those are down kind of at the leaf node, right. at the leaf level, and then there might be something more, a higher level in between. Yeah. Um, typically there's some kind of an API gateway. Yeah. So your, your application isn't directly calling the services. It's calling maybe a web API gateway yep. that's going to um, sort of broker them and give you a degree of flexibility if you want to move them around, change the way that they work. Um, you can do that without changing the application that uses them. That's cool. I guess it kind of it definitely makes it a lot more uh, easier from an. Uh an update perspective to be able to go in and just change one particular service without having to impact everyone else because your interfaces are, are not changing necessarily under the uh, you know on the top surface. It is, and that's that's sort of one of the credos of, of the whole of the whole thing really is that they need to be automated in yeah. their deployment. So you know, continuous integration and deployment yeah. is actually sort of a requirement to call it. And, a, and because a they're so discreet, they're easier to test, I guess, in that instance as well, right? Yeah, and they can and and they have to be versioning. They have to. Have, they have to support versioning, so you can have a, a given ser microservice might have more than one version of its API. Yeah. So for backward compatibility, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's neat. So. And, and you mentioned XML and JSON. Typically, with a microservice, is there a is there a standard that they recommend as part of this well, approach? We or? tend to use JSON a lot, but I think I there I don't know that there's any particular standard. Yeah. It's really a set of architectural patterns. Yeah, yeah. More than you know any any technology really. And so Martin Fowler, and I've read his stuff before actually when he first started talking about this, but, and you mentioned kind of Netflix and those guys. Well, who are the other big companies that are kind of pushing this and where could you find more information on microservices out on the web? eBay, Amazon are, are big into it. Uh, Facebook, pretty much, I, I can't believe that Microsoft doesn't also use it for a lot of their, right. their big properties, right? Yeah. So there's a number of, of books out there as well as actually my colleague Bob Familiar is, is, is writing about it as well. Oh, cool. So, well, I'll make sure in the show notes we get those links yeah, in there you, so I'll that people can... Yeah, I'll get you some links for the show notes. Yeah, so we can get those links off for people. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, what, how can people learn more about this? I mean, obviously you're presenting this today, but um, are you sharing your slide decks or any of the content here? Or? Yes, I am. I'm planning. I'm definitely going to share the slide decks. Yeah. I'll be blogging about it as well. Great. And then, uh, as I say, um, Bob... Familiar, my colleague is also in the process of, of doing a lot of sharing. On cool. That, so. so people interested, we can just keep up with you on, on your blog, and, on the yeah, Twitter. You can and put something in the show notes. That yeah, excellent. And so where are you next? What are you doing after SP TechCon? You, do you, I know you do a bit of the conference circuit because I've seen you at a bunch a bit, of different yeah. events. Yeah, no, next, I'm, my wife's flying out and we're going to drive up the coast of California. So oh, nice. Take a little R&R &R yeah. after prepping it's for the Yeah, it's beautiful weather here too. It's really fabulous. I'm, uh, I'm going back uh, this week to Seattle where it's going to be 100 
105 Fahrenheit. Uh, for those of you in Celsius, that's around 30 Celsius. Yeah. So it's going to be nice and hot up there when I get back. So I'm kind of looking forward to this yeah, weekend it's good. and it's good. getting a bit of R&R. &R. So as far as the speaking goes, I'll be at SP TechCon Boston, which yep. is my hometown right there. Yeah, it's nice I'll and easy. I'll be at uh, Developer Connections in Las Vegas uh, this fall. Okay. And I'm hoping to be at uh, some SharePoint Saturdays and other local yep. kind of more regional events. So, um, you know, try, yeah. try to keep out there. It's, um, it's always good to come out here and meet these guys and, um, and find out what people are doing and oh, yeah. what question. I mean, for me, it's the questions. Like, why are they asking this question? Why can't, why can't you know, they find it on devtheoffice.com and find a resolution. So for me, it's a lot of like taking those notes and taking it back to the team and oh, yeah. you know, it identifies so the gaps. And, and even just the, the lunchtime conversations oh, absolutely. or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, the beer ones are always juicy and you get lots of the different, the, the real open feedback after a few beers, that's for sure. That's right. And so what sessions have you been here to so far here that really impressed you? Well, it just came out of Andrew Connell's uh, Node.js yep. session. That was really interesting. He even mentioned microservices. Yeah. So I guess my next challenge ought to be to, to develop at your Node.js story. Yeah, yeah, and to and to kind of start uh, playing around with microservices in that environment. Yeah. The um, he actually did that session at Build, and it was full up. You couldn't get in. And I, yeah, exactly. I, even I, I, I tried to get in. The door was locked. They're like, You're, we can't let no, you I in. No, I know. I remember I was yeah. out in the hallway, kind of saying, Oh wow. So um, and I hadn't got round to re watching the recording. Like it's that usual thing that they're all downloaded on my laptop, and I've just never got around to sitting there and doing it yeah yep. so um, it was nice to actually just sit there today and, and watch him actually present to that so um, it's amazing how much use visual visual studio code is getting uh, he was on OSX in code and um, it's a really nice idea I've got to install it on my Mac and start playing with it a bit more but um, I've been so focused on kind of the office add-ins at the moment and trying to build more of a story for my own personal self samples wise around that so um, but I'm looking to see whether we can get Visual Studio Code um, with a few tweaks working with office add-ins like nice and easily yeah so that'd be a nice lightweight editor that people can use to build like Outlook add-ins for instance. Yeah I'm really enjoying the, the new kind of newfound openness that Microsoft yeah. has yeah. and it seems like the community is enjoying it too. Yeah no like it's been open great. open source people are embracing Visual Studio Code yeah. and a lot of the Microsoft technologies and it's all kind of coming together and I'm tired of us and them. Let's just all, yeah. let's all just go I, out and I certainly and, joined at the right cool time, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> With everything that's going on. Well, look, thanks very much. Um, I'll definitely get back on the show. I'd love to kind of have thanks. an update on, um, you know, how much you, more you've learned as you're kind of building these things out and working with customers on this stuff. But um, it's really interesting topic and I think, it ties in really nicely with where we're going from a platform side as well. So. Great. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I sort of imagine in my mind that maybe Office 365 eventually is just this myriad of microservices yep. out there because, you know, already the lines, at least at the API level, and, and also in the UI integration, the lines between Exchange and SharePoint. It's starting to blur, starting right? To blur. Yep. And I, I figure that's probably intentional. Well, I don't yeah. work for Microsoft anymore. I imagine it's intentional. Yeah, I think And it's something that, again, wasn't possible before, right? right. If you were on-prem, you know, you'd have a customer with some old version of Exchange, a new mm -hmm. version of SharePoint, and they all had to kind of play with all the different versions and yep. could only do so much about integration, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really exciting The uh, The, the unified that. API has definitely got me excited in terms of where you can almost yeah, traverse through all the different objects. And I guess that's almost like an anti-pattern of where microservices are, where they are separated out. But um, yeah, I, as we add more endpoints into that unified API, I think people will start to really see the yeah, benefits of that. I don't think it's an anti-pattern. I think that, you know, it's just always keep in mind that they're, it's layered. So, yeah. you, you know, you would have your universal API would be a, a microservice that 
really just acts as an API broker to that, a bunch of microservices. That's very true, because under the and covers I'd it's calling. I'd be willing to bet that it might be doing that. Yeah, like, you actually. know, I know for a fact, like if you go like me slash mail, oh, sorry, me slash messages, at the end of the day, that's just under the covers right. calling the exchange um, mail API exactly. and pulling that through. So you're right, I guess it is kind of acting like an app so service actually, in itself. So actually that API will give Microsoft the flexibility to to split things apart more. Right, in the back. Because then all the users of the API don't care. They're yeah. just like, oh look, I got my data on hand. Right. right. Yeah, so maybe that yeah, that is definitely the case then. Well, I mean, I have to do some more reading, I think, around this, because it's kind of got me spinning a little bit on how we kind of can talk to this with the people who are in the Microsoft services world and leveraging our, our services in their own applications. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you do more in this space on your blog. Great, thanks. Cool. Thanks all for right. having me on, it's a real pleasure. No, you're welcome. It's nice to get the time to chat with you. So um, enjoy the rest of the show, and we'll, we'll see you soon. You too, thanks. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.